So the quote bomb for today's episode is, I'm continually blown away at the strength of survivors telling their stories. After years of abuse, they know that telling their story will garner attacks by ignorant people, and they still tell. All the more reason we need to encourage and honor survivors. And that quote is from Jimmy Hinton. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. Today's topic, we're actually talking about survivor insight. So Catherine, as a survivor, um, you're just going to be sharing with us today just things that you've learned that are helpful, um, that can maybe be helpful to someone else that's trying to begin navigating this, or maybe, you know, that's something that happened a while ago and they pushed it like way out. And I feel like a lot of times people have the question, like, it was so long ago. So like, you know, do I really need to do anything about it now? So what would your answer to that be? That if it was so long ago? Yeah. 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 That that they were abused a long time Mm -hmm. ago? Yeah. Unfortunately, when trauma happens to you, as much as you would like to shove it down and ignore it, it never goes away. Yeah. It it doesn't. Um, Unfortunately, about half of people that are survivors never tell. Right. And a lot of times, often they are addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, just horrible things trying to cope with that trauma. So right. you don't really get to get it just magically gone away. Unfortunately, it's something that manifests um, some. It manifests some way. and and it and it can be healed. Like you can have healing in it. Doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean you'll be completely one hundred percent healed now. But it's something that that is um, that there is healing for and hope for you. Right. right? You don't have to be stuck in that denial or just shoving it down with different or trying to like kind medicate of it or exactly mm-hmm. exactly so what are some of your survivor tips to prevent sexual abuse so i personally think and not i'm not just saying this for myself but you know survivors are have the best insight mm-hmm. on this right because we lived it right and um so this this t- episode is important for me because i do think that there's a lot of things as a survivor that you want to let people know right right and you have that expertise and that insight so because you've had the experience i've had the experience yeah. right and so in my opinion the most important one of the most important things to do to prevent sexual abuse is just ongoing starting from birth conversations Mm -hmm. with your children um there's a really really good book that i love there's a lot of books but one of my favorite books is called uh, god made all of me Mm -hmm. and basically this just helps parents and caregivers start conversations and just letting the children know that your bodies are good Mm -hmm. and that they're in control of who hugs them and who gets to touch them Mm -hmm. and that you know, secrets are bad. The difference between secrets and surprise. It had right. tons of just really good information that you, makes it easier to have those mm-hmm. hard, awkward conversations starting from a young age yeah. and up. And but that, that's something we read through with our kids. And I love, too, because of that body autonomy, right, of right. teaching them, like, no, just because someone wants a hug from you, like, you don't you don't have to hug them. Right. Like, that's that, If that's making you uncomfortable, then you have the ability to make choices about your body and what you do and what you do not do. 
Absolutely. And to, and to listen to yeah. yourself, like, Hey, if somebody's making you, you want to stay away from that person, right. I'm going to encourage you to listen to that. doesn't mean you have to be rude. Right. And even in the book, it'll say like, give a high five or just say hi. There's ways that you can teach your children to be polite, yeah, but to also, interact. Mm-hmm. but to be able to have control and respect over their bodies. Mm-hmm. But for instance, um, just talking and having no shame around that subject um, is super helpful. Mm-hmm. And so even for me, I have an almost two year old. She knows the name or she says vagina. Mm-hmm. She says, but we say the right words. Um, we talk about it like there's no awkwardness. in right. it. she's um, it's just that kind of conversation where you're not putting awkwardness around it and shame around it. And yes, of course, when they get older, there's going to be those stages of life where that's obviously awkward. Mm-hmm. But if it's never been a subject that is wasn't talked about or like taboo in your right. family it's easier for kids to learn yeah. and for you to be the safe person for them mm-hmm. to talk to it and about. you're giving them truth you're telling them what something actually is right. when you're you're giving them that truth right from the start instead of like cutesy little names or yeah. whatever you know just because we have some weird right. thought about something which isn't beneficial to your child no and it and and predators use that in yeah. their favor but um yeah it just takes away the shame and embarrassment of it about yeah, i just sex. think this is so important so i like that you're bringing this up yeah, it's like, from the very start so important and for me like sophia she doesn't i read that book to her she's not even two and um and she knows the proper names and if she says you know i don't make it weird you know yeah. um and then the other thing specifically I want to share about like some prevention for other fellow survivors and just anyone that's listening, honestly, is that I personally am going to share with my daughter that I was abused mm-hmm. and I want it to be something that she never really remembers when she found out about it um, for several reasons. And obviously I will only tell her age appropriate things. Right. right? Yeah. But um, I feel like this is an important thing to talk about because number one we teach our kids that um it's not a secret right if this happens to them but if we don't tell them if we've been abused and this is my personal opinion Mm -hmm. and what i believe in doing this then and i decide to tell her like i think 14 is the age Uh that she should be able to handle it right well really what i just taught her was that it was a secret right and it was shameful right so if mom was abused um if she never if she never knows this traumatic date of knowing just she always knows this about mom and mom was okay. Um, one, it takes away a secrecy if anything mm-hmm. happens with her. It takes that power. It takes the power away. Uh, it shows her that, hey, you can get through, God can get you through hard things. Mm-hmm. Mom went through that. That's okay. It also teaches kids that it happens, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times you, when you're teaching kids about fire safety or any of those things you think as a kid you're invincible right that's not going to happen to me and so putting this like hey this happened to mom that wasn't okay and it wasn't her fault but i'm okay Mm -hmm. and i was able to get help and stuff um and then hope and my hopes in that is that it it will be hey if something happens to my daughter or she sees something hey mom's a safe person to tell right she knows about this she knows how to handle it Mm -hmm. and so that's another one of i think an advantage that survivors have to Mm -hmm. be honest is that we're able to use that and i i honestly encourage any of my family members with their kids to use aunt kathy Catherine, Mm -hmm. as a example yeah you know 
Yeah, we talk about that a lot in our household, just like that there are people that are not safe people like that. Because as a kid, you kind of think that everyone has your best interest and you're just like, oh, yeah. And it's just not necessarily true. And to know who those people are in your life. And that's one of the things that the God Made All of Me book talks about is like, who are your safe people that you can talk to? And I love going through that part with the kids is talking to them about like, okay, so when something makes you uncomfortable or when something happens, like who is it? Who is it that you can go to and talk to? Because knowing that right off is so helpful. So that way, if they encounter something, they're not just feeling lost about like, where do I go? What do I do? And I feel like the other thing with talking to her about that from the start is that she doesn't feel like there's ever a point where she has something to tell Mm -hmm. with you that like she has to wait until the right time. Right. Because that's putting that there's like a good time and not a good time to bring up those things. Absolutely. And so then it's like in your mind as a kid, or like a young adult, it's like, oh, well, like, it's not like the good time to bring that up, which there's never really going to be like a very like comfortable time to bring up uncomfortable things sometimes. Right. So I think that's important in that honesty um, from what you're talking about. But another, uh, another thing that I think is huge in preventing it is that adults report suspicious uh Suspicions of a suspicion of abuse. Mm. Sorry. Um, Unfortunately, we really have a culture that protects adults over children. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we don't want to believe is true. Right. But it is. Yeah. Um, We're really concerned how that's going to ruin that adult's life. We're really concerned if they're going to lose a job. We're very concerned about their reputation. Mm -hmm. All the while, we would rather have that child be abused than possibly ruin a an adult's reputation. Mm-hmm. And I think that number one, if they really aren't abusing them, nothing happens to them. Right. They aren't ruined, but there's this fear in adults mm-hmm. that kind of just pick adults over children. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a hard thing to hear and a hard thing to say, but I think we just need to accept that that's really where it's at, mm-hmm. that we would rather risk the child than risk the embarrassment of an adult. Right. Now I've heard you talk about that a lot and mm-hmm. I can totally like see that. It's not something that I'm like, Oh really? Like I see that, but I'm just curious. And so this is just totally like opinion based for you then, but I am curious of like, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that we favor the adult or the perceptions of an adult over what a child is telling us? I think just fear, just fear of another adult, like for children, I think one of the reasons why they're so vulnerable is they are, they are weak and Mm -hmm. they, they don't have a voice. You know, the adult can put up more of a fight than the child. Right. And so if you're accusing an adult of something, you know, I think there's a lot of fear and like, what if they come after me and my family or there comes this real fear of like, I think that's some of it. Mm -hmm. And I think. We try to minimize like, oh, it didn't. It's OK. They're young and they won't remember it. Or if it's me, I'm not sure. I don't know. We just don't put as much value on kids for some reason. Okay. I don't know. It's a hard I, thing to say, yeah. but it's almost like we value adults more than children. And it's kind of like just a couple generations ago when kids were just like kids were to um, 
we're not to be, you know, seen or heard, mm-hmm. right? Like just go, you're beneath us. The adults yeah. are talking. Your opinion doesn't matter. You're not a real yes. person until you're an adult. I think it's still a little bit of that yeah. as well, unfortunately, but I don't know, but it's just as a survivor, that's like, I want to say then one of the biggest areas I think of why people don't why the abuse happens why or, the abu- or continues why the abuse happens and why adults don't do more to step in when they mm. see sus- suspicious uh behavior right no i i just was curious about that because i i feel very passionate about the value of children yeah and so i see that too of just that idea of and we might not be doing it like purposefully a right. lot of times it's not necessarily that someone's like being malicious in their thought process about it of like oh children no but i don't think that people the way get that it we yeah. interact with them so many times it's like kind of this less than yep this less than valuing well like you're just a kid you're like the word you're just a kid well, well what does that mean you're still a human well and it's like if I, if a kid's life is ruined, it's just a kid. If adult's life ruined. Yeah, they have a lot of, they lot have, of time to try to like yeah, do Yeah, or something. like this adult, is, it's just in that, I see that as like, I don't think people realize that they're putting more value in an adult. Right. But they are. Yeah. You know? So I just wanted you to kind of expand on that because I think that that's super important. And I think that the small ways we go about how we interact with kids is a part of that. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's just something people need to really be exploring more of how they're interacting with kids and what they're saying to them and how they're believing them and allowing mm-hmm. them to tell them things. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think, cause you, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, but just part of what you're doing is to have this voice and to speak up and to, um, tell your story and your experience. But part of that too, is working with churches on teaching them about um, preventing and protecting children as well as like how to do a better job of caring and supporting for adults Um, and that's a huge thing that you're doing right now and so I just want you to give some of those tips of how can the church do a better job of preventing and protecting children as well as supporting adult survivors well, again, kind of like accepting that we elevate adults over children, the church needs to accept that yeah. we've done a real bad job at pro- protecting right. children, um, at even addressing a sexual assault, assault or abuse at all. Like for number one, there is many sexual assaults in the Bible. Uh-huh. They're hardly ever preached about, um, if at all. They're barely touched on, mm-hmm. maybe leaving like someone opened up and then never even like finishing it with God's hope or anything like that. So just and and a lot of that is like there's I think just recently in seminaries, they just started kind of teaching on mm. um, how to help the abused. Right. And so they don't get trained on it. Mm. Um, they don't preach on it. And that's very unfortunate because. God put that in the Bible, right? right. And so it, it, it wasn't to be silenced. It wasn't right. to be the no-no yeah. that we didn't talk about. And so um, so that, it's just accepting that we've just done a terrible job at that mm. and reaching out to as- experts, right, on mm-hmm. this subject for help mm-hmm. because we're not, right? Sexual abuse, you need trained um, therapists with, in specifically with trauma. Mm-hmm. So reaching out and just getting a support system, um, accepting that, you know, you don't have to fix this, right? It's they need to see professionals mm-hmm. and just having resources and loving 
them, right? Mm-hmm. And then specifically with kids, um, there just needs to be stricter policies in place. Mm-hmm. Um, there just needs to be more education for the volunteers and the staff that are mm-hmm. working with kids. I uh, was talking with one of my sisters who walks dogs mm-hmm. on an app, and she was just telling me she worked for this company a year ago, moved away, moved back, and was trying to walk dogs again mm-hmm. off this app. And she was telling me all the steps that she had to go through to be able mm-hmm. to walk a dog. And it was like a month and a half worth of background checks, uh, reference mm-hmm. calls. She had to go in there physically to see them. Her, They had to see her interact with dogs and uh-huh. put different harnesses on different types of dogs. Just all of this stuff to walk dogs, right? right? Which is good, right? And it just was like shocking to me that our churches, most churches don't even do half of that, mm-hmm. right? That in our world, we value dogs more than the protection of kids. Right. And so just kind of owning that mm-hmm. and doing better and and not having to be, no, mm-hmm. saying that you're not an expert and finding experts, right. right? And I think part of that too, I mean, having worked in churches for so long, I mean, I worked in a church for 10 years. And so, um, as well as like attending church my whole life, but I, and I think a big part of that is like you're saying is owning it and saying like, Hey, like we need to do better. And it's okay to say like, we haven't been doing as good as we should. And now we have this information and we're going to do better with it. And it's not about this, like, Oh, this, like not wanting to appear like you haven't had it together. So then you don't really want to do something about it because then it's like, everyone can see that maybe you weren't doing that before. Um, I've just seen that in churches and it's like, no, like you just, it's that idea of, you know, better. So you do better Absolutely. and it's okay to say like, no, we know more now and now we're going to do something about it. Right. And we're not just going to pretend because we don't want to look bad. Right. So, or yeah, like, oh, I'm this, or I'm this leader or this role. And so I'm supposed to be able to know how to help you with everything. Right. Right. When really it's like, no, this is actually needs in many cases, the police need to be called. Right. Um, the you need they need to just have resources where there can be professionals that can help them and then yeah. the church really should just be loving them and walking them walking aside them while right. they are encouraging them to get help right yeah. and so I think just a better understanding that that they don't they're not responsible for right. well and that's what I was talking to is about the policies and that being part of the policy is like having the references and all that but part of the policy is like we're not expecting anyone to fix it, like a right. volunteer to fix this problem. But here are your resources of like where you go with this. And empowering them with education mm-hmm. and how to r- uh, report right suspicious activity or abuse that you think is happening. Um, but yeah, I, most of it is just owning that, hey, this is an area that has been, we've miserably failed, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing I love about our church is that they have sought me out because uh-huh. I am a survivor and do value my opinion and mm-hmm. um, recognize that this is an area that they haven't done very well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even just going around to the experts in your church that are survivors and asking them, help, help us out. We want right. to do better at this. Right. That not only make that only, not only made me as a survivor feel loved mm-hmm. there, but it also helped me feel safe for those children mm-hmm. and to be able to put my child in that this is a church that cares right and in areas that they're weak they want to do better yeah 
So what are some of the hurtful ways that people have responded um, or what insight can you give to help people respond better? Yeah. So this is a huge one. And I think whenever anybody hears like something really hard, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime you've told your story. Oh, yeah. We've talked about we've this. We've talked this. I'm sure we will. Many episodes. <laughs> Keep we talk. talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. It's just hard to hear. I get mm-hmm. it. I get that it's hard to hear. Um I understand that, but the best thing that you can do is just listen, like less Mm -hmm. words. When something is hard to hear, it's almost better to have less words Mm -hmm. instead of feeling like you have to have all these words to make it better. Right. When really um, the most helpful thing is like, man, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I believe you. And um, like, any way that I can support you. Yeah. Right. Or even just like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Right. Yeah. Or even just someone saying, I hear you. Thank you for sharing this with me. Thank you for sharing with me. Yeah. I know that that was hard. Right. And that's it. Right. That's the most loving and helpful thing because there isn't anything that you can do, but right. we want to, I know we hear something and I, I'm guilty of this too. I want to like right. fix it and make you feel better. Yeah, You want to say something to make someone feel good. Right. And so, but some of the hurtful things I think are actually more helpful for people to understand like why saying few words, mm-hmm. less words is better. And so for one, when I've shared my story or especially now that I'm pretty open with it, uh-huh. like publicly I have mm-hmm. a blog and I'm doing this podcast and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, your friends. We're winning a lot of friends with us. We're winning so many friends <laughs> with us. People just stop being your friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I can't look at you in the eye anymore. You stop. It's just, I don't know if, I don't know what it is, but I have to say that's super hurtful. Yeah. When really it's like, I just want you to treat me the same. Right. Like, acknowledge like, Hey, thank you for sharing that. That was hard, but I'm not your project to fixed. Um, I just want to be treated like I was before with you as a human being. Right. And one of the lies that you believe can believe and that I struggled with was that you are damaged goods right? or that people are going to like, there's this shame of like, what are people are going to think of me? And so when someone kind of just stops being your friend, it's, makes you believe all those lies. Right. right? And so, and I think that they just don't know what to do. I never Mm -hmm. think it's malicious or like, but it's really hurtful. Yeah. Right. Nope. Totally agree. And that is something we talk about a lot. And yeah, I, I see that I have experienced that in my life for me. So we're talking about those lies that you believe is that I'm too much. Like my negative feelings are too much for someone else. Yeah. I can't handle it. And so when you tell someone something like that, right, you're, you're saying like, that you care about them basically to be like entering this type of topic with them and then for them to kind of be like put the brakes on your relationship you're it's for me it's that it enforces that life like i am too much like this sent them over the edge you know yeah oh oh totally another one one of the hardest ones for me is just silence like Mm. just nothing and then also like I can never like those those people can't ever look me in the eye again. Mm-hmm. Like you're literally like, I, like I can't even talk to you. Mm-hmm. That one's a tough one because it makes you feel like, oh, cool. I definitely feel like I am not a human mm-hmm. or not the same as you are broken beyond repair. Right. Right. That one's a really tough one. It's be- it literally is better just to be like, I'm so sorry. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Uh. Another one that's difficult is the 
giving like really hopeless statements Mm -hmm. about like stats on sexual abuse or saying like, oh man, that's super hard to overcome. And then specifically for me, because it's my biological dad, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to have a really hard time seeing God as your father because your father abused you. And and for the record, I really don't struggle with that. Right. I really don't. I'm sure people talked about that. Yeah. I'm sure people do, but that really wasn't. And I didn't even think of that until I heard that all the time. Mm -hmm. I actually read some terrible books that were very unhelpful on sexual abuse when I was younger that always talked about that. No, do we need to make a list of all the books that do (laughs) Do not not read? (laughs) But I remember being like, that made me feel awful. Like nothing about like, oh no, that's the worst thing that can happen. When really the truth is, is, is nothing is hopeless. Right. Nothing. Everything. Everyone has hope or there's mm-hmm. always hope for your healing. And so in when you're in those kind of traumas, you feel hopeless. Right. When you're in something hard. So when someone's just like, I'm going to just dump more hopeless statements on you like that is right. just brutal. And what I think they mean is like, that's really hard. Yeah. But instead they go too far, right? right? They say too many words. Could thing. I could I try like a good statement for that? Yeah, we'll, dude, you yes. can tell me if it, yeah, it's yeah, good yeah, or yeah. not. Yeah, is to say, wow, like I see that so hard, and I see that you're really working. Yeah, like through this, like I see that you're doing work in such a hard situation. Perfect. Because I think to me, it's good to acknowledge the fact that someone's not just someone that's talking with you about this is processing something and that that's hard work it takes guts to look at something like that even in your own life to like look at it and not stuff it and to acknowledge the fact like they're doing work here and that should be acknowledged of like it is hard but you're doing work and there's hope oh absolutely like you are working and there's hope there's hope for you right absolutely no that that's great Absolutely agree. A way better way to say that. And I think that that's what kind of what they're meaning. Right. And I get that. As an adult, you kind of get it. Doesn't right. mean that. It doesn't mean it makes it feel better. It though, doesn't. Even if you can like rationalize it. And if it. you're not super far, if you're not, if you're like in the early stages of your healing, right. that could be really damaging. And that's yeah. what I want people to know is like, if just say less words. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you yeah. don't know where less, somebody. but not to like not acknowledge. Yeah, the silence is terrible. The nothing is worth. Just right. say say sorry. I'm so uh, sorry. Or I man, I'm, I believe you. Yeah. And or I hear you. I hear I'm you. Here. I'm here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, another one is asking for the details. Oh man, it boggles my mind that people would even do that. But so much of what people do boggles I, my mind. I cannot so. tell you. This happens. More than it doesn't. That's how often it happens. I believe you. And I just want anybody listening that doesn't understand it, that when you're asking, when a survivor is telling their details, your brain literally is act, goes into that traumatic event sometimes and you're literally reliving it. So, so what, for one, like, why do you need to know the details? You don't. You You absolutely do not. And I don't know if it's just like looking at a car accident, like you're just curious for weird. I don't know what it is. Don't Our brain wants answers. I think that's where it comes from is you're wanting to put a whole story together. Don't ask it. That's yeah. like literally the worst. And it happens all the time. Huh. And then kind of along with that, it's the. Is your abuser in jail? Like the questioning of like, mm-hmm. t- like just almost like you're like 
being questioned, like, tell me all the events and then what happened next? And like kind right. of questioning you. And, and, and again, that's like none of your business and very hurtful. Right. And like for me, for instance, like we did all the right things and my abuser wasn't in jail. That's actually the most sensitive area for me as a mm-hmm. survivor. And I get asked that, like, if there's one question I can never be asked again, it would be like, if your dad did that to you, why isn't he in jail? Like I could just live my whole life. So happy if no one asked me I that again. I hope that you get to live your whole life. I hope no I do too, but that has that comes up more often than not. I believe it. And what that kind of makes me feel like is I'm only going to believe you if there's proof. Mm. I'm only going to believe you if I think the details are are abusey enough for me. <laughs> do you think that's because like people view justice as validation? Yeah, I guess. I don't mm. know. It's dumb. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> and and they, I want to say that too about trauma in general is like you were talking about people are you're reliving that trauma and there's a lot of different traumas that people go through and I feel like that fits a lot oh. with trauma in general is like don't ask people the details of that trauma. Yeah, you don't you don't need to know it. Right. Like why don't do that? Right. Just don't do it. Um, and then the last one, which is another doozy is the telling people to forgive the abuser. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Stop doing that. And this is kind of more in the Christian community, right? I would say. Um, That one is like, just don't ever say that. It's terrible. Um, We get told it all the time, and it's just kind of minimizing a really horrific event, Mm -hmm. right? And there's, I heard this and this was really good. And I might've said this on another episode, but basically your first reaction and your right reaction is anger. Right. Right. And then when you properly kind of deal with that, you go into justice, which is proper and Uh needs justice. Right. And then kind of out of the fruit of working through both of those. And this is from Justin Holcomb said this at a sexual assault um, seminar comes forgiveness. Right. Mm. And that, just is different timelines and different healing yeah. for everyone. And so someone just shoving down that forgiveness without right. all of those steps and stuff. And, you know, sometimes forgiveness isn't going to happen on in this lifetime. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's just, just a hurtful thing that I think they think is helpful. Yeah. But it's really hurtful. Yeah. So now that we've talked about all the, the terrible the terrible things that you can say to someone and some of the helpful things we've kind of thrown in there, but what have been the most helpful responses for you? Okay. So my very, very favorite response is funny and I love it. And it really was my absolute favorite. I'm curious. So one of the, so one of a traumatic, so I had to write a letter to someone exposing my dad for protection Mm -hmm. of a child, blah, blah, blah. It was a a really super hard thing to Mm do. And I told, was sharing with a friend that I was doing that and she was praying for me and that happened. And she, there's an, I come home, terrible day, uh-huh. awful, right? She comes in, she has a cake, right? Uh-huh. She's like, like a birthday cake, right? And she goes, these are the days you eat cake with your hands. And we <laughs> ate cake with our hands and it was the best. <laughs> it was literally the most, it was just the best. Like she didn't try to like make it okay. She just acknowledged like, dude, these are days that you eat your feelings, man. And we ate it literally with our hands, like the whole thing. It was super funny. And it really did just kind of I picture it like a giant toddler almost. It was like, awesome. Sh- 
It was really great because like, you can't fi- like that's like she couldn't. It was making something funny, but also right. being like, dude, this is rough. Yeah. And I'm here for and you. It's acknowledging that. It was the it's best. That, that was the best. Yeah. Right. That, so that's hilarious. You haven't told me that before. I yeah. don't think. And that's really funny. Isn't that I the like best? It. That is I, good. It's the best. And <laughs> eating cake with my hands. That's literally what it says on the show notes. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> and I didn't like look down to that yet. And now it's super cracking me up. And, and so that's just a good example of like that's really all we how we want to be supported yeah. is like acknowledge that it was awful and like hey i'm just your friend yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna sit with you through this rough day mm-hmm. and yeah. bring some kind of humor to it if possible or whatever yeah. and then um treating me the same just treating like finding this out about me and it not being like oh i have to treat her like she's this victim or right just literally being like that was awful but like we're like things don't need to change sure like treat me the way that you yeah. treated me before um, and then kind of going off of like when people ask too many details, like when, if I share that with you, letting me be the one that leads that conversation mm-hmm. and, uh, not bringing in and letting me bring it up. Right. Right. And so if I'm bringing it up and I'm pre- being pretty on now, I'm very, obviously very open with it. Right. And if I'm talking with someone and I can tell that it's like helpful for them and stuff. Now I'm at a point where I can be like, Hey, I'm pretty open. Like you can ask me. Right. Whatever. But let me say that. Yeah. Right. Don't just be like, so how many times did it happen? Where did it happen? You know, like w- that's intense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just let that person like if someone if you have a really good relationship and you're a really super supportive friend and it seems like they're telling you a lot of information, just let them lead it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. I think that's. Yeah. We kind of went. Yeah. We kind of went through this. Already, yeah. So. We kind of went through um, that. But really, honestly, what I, I know a lot of people really struggle with this. Just when in doubt, less is best. Yeah. Less, but not none. Less, but not none. Yeah. Absolutely, so. Chelsea. We need to make like some type of sticker that says that. Less, less but, but not none. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what have been some of the ways that you have coped with the trauma like? you know, actual steps that you've taken to start your healing process and what that's looked like. Well, Jesus and therapy, Chelsea. Yes. I want that sweatshirt. So bad. <laughs> There's a sweatshirt that says that on there, but it's not my color. And so I'm having a difficult time with it. <laughs> it's beige and beige does not look good beige, on us. Beige doesn't. It's not my thing. But that really is true. Honestly, Jesus and, yeah. and therapy yeah. both. Right. And so, um, that, and, that's something that's good for the church too. Like, yeah, like we need Jesus and just like reminding us who we are in Christ mm-hmm. and that he loves us and that. And we need another person to walk through that with us. Right. Too. Absolutely. The therapy part, right? Oh, absolutely. So Jesus and therapy for sure. Um, and ongoing therapy, if you need it, yeah. you know, like when you're feeling like different stages of your life, if things pop up, like yeah. now I'm a mom. And so there's kind of right. different things popping up that um, well that's one of the things that you and your mom talked about in your episode with her is that at every different stage of your life she's seen how it's affected you in different ways right and and i've learned that like i've learned like okay i've done enough therapy to know like yeah i probably need to go back yeah or no i think i'm okay i can like whatever and so both both are very important which we're gonna do a whole podcast on therapy i haven't quite told you that yet but (laughs) i decided today because genius just a lot comes up in my life about like people's differing thoughts on therapy so just remember that for next time yeah therapy we're gonna have a whole podcast all about therapy people get ready all right good well then i don't need to talk too much more about it then (laughs) and then for me personally self-talk 
Like when mm. I, especially when I was younger, when I had to like, I had to see my abuser. Uh-huh. So he was my biological dad. Um, I just learned, apparently this is, I don't know if I learned this in therapy, but I believe it's a thing that they teach you in therapy is I remember I would just like talk to my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not true. Yeah. Like, it's not your fault. Like I would do that. I remember doing that a ton and that was super helpful. Like kind of like speaking truth to my lies. Mm. And then kind of as I got an adult, um, that turned more into like preaching the gospel to myself. Mm. So like, oh, you're believing this and that's actually from the enemy. And the truth is that Jesus loves you and you're completely uh, innocent of this like sin and mm-hmm. this crime that was committed mm-hmm. against you. And so that literally, and even to this day, like when I'm talking about any of this subject um, and I'm feeling like, ooh, like mm-hmm. getting caught up in my emotions or feeling triggered in some way or something, I'll literally, st- I find myself being like, it's okay. That's okay that you feel this way because this is a hard thing to talk. I find yeah. myself in my head doing that and calming myself down. Um, and then for me, dr- like my personality, and I and I believe this is some of my personality and also um, a survival, mm-hmm. like from just surviving, mm-hmm. is I'm a shover and a number. Yeah. And like, and so my feelings and I process and I'm not a fast processor. Mm. So like I have takes a long time for me to process something. Mm-hmm. And so another huge thing for me is I'll notice like, oh, I have this eye twitch happening. Something must be, there's some, there's some emotions that are probably. You've had a hard eye twitch lately. I know. Actually, it's gone now, <laughs> okay, good. but it's been there for a while. Um, and so for me, it's hard for me to, under, like, I, it's hard for me to be like, what am I feeling? Like right. I, so for me, journaling, mm. journaling started at a young age, like really helped me just kind of get to where my feelings were and like kind of helped me process through that. Yeah. So that was hugely helpful for me. Um, and then comedy, to be honest, comedy's huge in my life for yeah. like healing stuff. Yeah. I love stand up comedy. I was exposed to it at probably way too young of an age from my stepdad because <laughs> I just don't think he had got that it was like inappropriate. But to be honest with you, stand up comedy and like just helps me. Like mm-hmm. it just needs to, br- you just need to have some lightness to like heavy topics. Mm. And even now that my life involves so much of researching this and talking mm-hmm. about it and stuff. At night, I find myself just podcasting my favorite comedians or watching stuff just to make things light again, Mm -hmm. right? So comedy really has been huge in my life. Um, And then just things like this, helping other survivors and advocating for the vulnerable and just using my voice in whatever way it can Mm -hmm. be used to help people is incredibly healing. Yeah. I love this. I love this episode and just hearing, you know, what things you've done and like steps that you've taken and just everything about this, uh, talking about what are not helpful things, what are helpful things, um, because the way I see it, too, is that that even though there's like specific circumstances that you were in and facts, you know, of things that happened to you and occurred in your life that are part of your story is your your feelings and your emotions and all of that are something that I feel like so many people can relate to. And so it's like, I feel like you can use so much of this across the board through all kinds of different things that different people could be going through to different things, but that these things can be helpful. And so I'm really right. glad to go through that and talk with that, especially like, you know, when you just need to eat cake with your hands. Isn't that the best? <laughs> and watch oh. some comedy. Um, that was my friend Faith. Faith. I don't know if you're hearing this, but shout out to you, girl. That was the best. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So I just like as you know, you're talking about it, I can just see, you know, I feel myself relating to different things and how different things have helped me through things that I've gone through and processed. And so I just think it's good to be talking about these things, right? That's Thanks, why Chelsea. we're talking about it is because we're talking about the no-nos. So um, with this episode, if you want more information on how to support survivors, um, report or how to educate yourself on what signs to look for, you can go to rain. So that's rain, like the rain falling from the sky, but with two ends dot org. It has great information and resources as well as d2l.org and netgrace.net. And we'll have all of that information. That information is always going to be on our Instagram, um, as well as in our show notes. And we'll be putting a bunch of stuff up of like helpful books and resources and all that stuff. So the Instagram should have a whole bunch of information that we'll just keep adding to because stuff's going to stuff's going to keep coming. So yep. you can connect with us on Instagram at talking about the no nos. You can email us at talking about the no nos at gmail.com. And what do we always ask people to do, Catherine? Find yourself people. Oh, man. Find yourself people. <laughs> Sorry. Find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with. Yes. <laughs>